All right, we are live. Ladies and gentlemen, President Donald Trump has been indicted again. Uh, but this time he's being indicted for his role in the dreaded and infamous January 6, 2021 riots at the Capitol building. What does this mean for the state of the justice system in America? Also, the climate alarmists are seemingly getting desperate. UN's Antonio Gutierrez declared recently that we are now in the era of global boiling. What new authoritarian policies will this extreme rhetoric justify? Well, we have a pretty good idea. We're going to be talking about this and more on episode 409 of the In the Tank podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the In the Tank podcast. As always, I am your host, Donald Kendall. Joining me, i got a smaller crew today. I've got Jim Lakely, VP of the Heartland Institute. How are you doing today, good sir? Uh, I'm doing great. It's nice to be back in the swing at work and back on the podcast. I was not on last week. I had uh, family from Pittsburgh was visiting, and um, we do a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of fun stuff together. One of the things we did, we went to Six Flags. And I rode all the roller coasters and uh, with my nephews. And, uh, you know, I thought at the age of 52 that maybe, uh, you know, maybe roller coasters is kind of past me, you know, or I've passed by roller coasters. I shouldn't be riding them anymore. And while it was um, uh, thrilling and I enjoyed myself and I didn't die, even though I thought I was going to die about 17 times. Uh, but it's a good thing that I've had uh, a few days to rest my voice because I was screaming so much. I literally couldn't speak for about 40 hours. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and he was screaming because you know the the food vendors ran out of hot dogs, so that's where he lost his voice. <laughs> also joining us, Linnea Lucan, research fellow with the Arthur B. Robinson Center on Climate and Environmental Policy here at the Heartland Institute. Linnea, how are you doing today? It rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It's the longest <laughs> title of anyone on the show. But... Uh, I'm doing great, uh, and and Jim, you're never too old. And never, never, never too old for roller coasters. There you go. There you go. Uh, I come well, on the podcast for validation. <laughs> yeah. Positive affirmations are really important to me. Thanks, Linnea. I've got my fill today. <laughs> You've got it. Uh, audio only listeners that are catching the show on a Friday or later, you can uh, catch the show a day earlier where, where you're streaming it live on YouTube and Rumble and Twitter and Facebook. And you can join the conversation, throw your comments and questions in the chat. Maybe we'll show your comments on the screen. Maybe we'll address your questions on the fly. If you want to guarantee your comment or question is read, you can use that super chat functionality that we have enabled. It's a great way to support the show while getting a comment or question addressed. Um, also, if you are a listener, leaving a review for us on iTunes would be greatly appreciated. And if you are a watcher, hitting that subscribe button, sharing this content, hitting the like button, or just leaving a comment under the video all helps break through those big tech algorithms that prevent content like this from being shown to more people. One more bit of uh, housekeeping before we get into our topics. The uh, Heartland Institute's 39th anniversary benefit dinner is what, Jim? About a month away, featuring John Stossel, Jeannie Ives, and uh, perhaps even more important than either of those two, 
Linnea, are you uh, going to be in attendance at the benefit dinner on September 8th? Yep, sure am. Boom. See, sure. now another reason that everyone listening to this needs to get their tickets. Because um, that's, like I said, more important than John Stossel. Jim, uh, is there any any other things you want to mention about the benefit dinner? It's only about a month away. Yeah, September eighth. You did an, you did a great pitch. It's at the uh, Chicago uh, Marriott O'Hare. So if you're coming in from out of town, it's very convenient from the airport, uh, and it's also pretty easy to get to from anywhere in the Chicagoland area. Uh, so, and it's as Donnie mentioned. You know, John Stossel is our keynote speaker. He's um, strong libertarian. You know, it's actually kind of a miracle that he even existed as a media giant. You know, he was a big media star on ABC and on 2020. And, uh, you know, he kind of cut his teeth as a consumer reporter, um, you know, and debunking this and that, uh, you know, and reviewing things and standing up for the little guy. You know, that's kind of what uh, libertarianism is all about. It's honoring the, the individual. Uh, libertarians believe that we are all, uh, we all have value and that the collective uh, is evil because it diminishes the value of the individual. Uh, and so, yeah, John Stossel, I'm really looking forward to what he has to say. He's uh, he's done a lot of uh, events, actually, with Heartland in the past. We had a uh, a climate debate that we tried to <laughs> tried to stage in New York City a few years ago that uh, we had a table there ready for the guys like Michael Mann to show up and and debate uh, climate. They didn't do it, but we still had a fantastic event. And uh, the video of that on John Stossel's uh, YouTube channel has been viewed many, many, many hundreds of thousands of times, I believe. Uh, and so you want to you want to be there um, if you get a VIP ticket, actually, to our benefit dinner, you get to um, have a special reception and you get to meet and speak with John Stossel uh, before the dinner begins. So you can have some some personal time with him. And then, of course, Jeannie Ives, she's a, a, a former state representative here in the state of Illinois, one of the few rock rib conservatives to have ever served in that uh, body, legislative body over the last uh, 15 or 20 years. And she also uh, ran for um, the Republican nomination for governor in the last election cycle. She didn't win, but she came pretty close. And, you know, she's stood up for freedom, for liberty, for smaller government for so long. So uh, she has definitely earned the Heartland Liberty Prize this year. And uh, she's a fantastic um, woman and she's a great speaker. And so we're looking forward to having her on the stage as well. And, and again, you get to meet a lot of us, especially me <laughs> and Donnie and uh, and Linnea here on this podcast, plus a lot of the other people that uh, you may see on our other show, Climate Change Roundtable. And so, you know, it's a great way to support uh, the Heartland Institute. It's a great way to support freedom. Um, we hope that um, several of you listening to this right now will uh, make it out here and be a part of it. Interesting little factoid about myself. The first Heartland event that I ever been to, this is before I worked here, this is before my internship, uh, was downtown Chicago and it was John Stossel talking about his book, uh, No They Can't or something, I, I think was the title of that in reference right. to yep. Yes We Can, Obama slogan or whatever. So that's uh, I met Jim there and uh, Joe Bast and Joe Bast accused me of being like a spy or something. Like yeah, that. well, <laughs> so I a joke about it, but, but yeah. yeah. You look like really a secret lefty. Um, all right. Well, you, uh, should we just jump into it? We've got a lot Let's of stories it. to get to. Um, I'm kind of, you know, I want to warn the viewers here that uh, you might have to brace yourself because we could go along because we've got a lot to talk about. And uh, yeah, so like I said at the beginning of the podcast, um, Trump was indicted again. This is not deja vu. This is the third time that he's been indicted. 
This time, he was indicted on felony charges relating to his role in supposedly unlawfully trying to overturn the results of the 2020 election, um, you know, in relation to the January 6, 2021 thing. So the Justice Department is attempting to hold Trump accountable for an, quote, unprecedented effort to block the peaceful transfer of presidential power and threaten American democracy. So this latest charges, there's four counts in this indictment, including conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction of and attempt to obstruct an official proceeding and conspiracy against rights. These sound very sinister things, ladies and gentlemen. Like I mentioned, this is the third set of indictments against Trump. The first was relating to the alleged misuse of campaign funds during that whole Stormy Daniels situation. The second wave was in relation to the classified documents that he took when ending his first term. And now the January 6th, 2021 stuff. So uh, I think this sends a clear message. The point of all of this is to send a clear message. No matter how rich and powerful you are, you are not going to be uh, to be able to get away with anything, you are going to be held accountable for your crimes here in America. Oh, wait, I got that wrong. Uh, the message is actually no matter how Trump and Trump you are, you're going to be charged for your Trumpness. That's the <laughs> message. I got it mixed up. So, Jim, where do we even start with this? Uh, uh, I mean, when we were talking yesterday about the show topics, I was planning on just talking about the whole Trump indictment thing. It's just like an opening chit chat not really getting too much into it, but you had so much to say. And as you were going on, I was taking mental notes of all the points that you were making. I was like, you know what? This probably deserves to be like the first half of this podcast. So do you have any basic thoughts on all of this before we get into some of the specifics? Well, you know, the, if you look at the charges, one, one of the charges that is not in that indictment and uh, uh, is, uh, incitement to insurrection or anything, anything involving anything like that. It's basically he is charged with declaring that, in his opinion, the election was not on the level. That his opinion is that the election was rigged. Um, now he may be right or he may be wrong about that. But um, my memory, you know, I'm old enough to remember uh, when Democrats from about well. From about the year 2000 on, so for 23 years, there has not been a single presidential election in which a Republican has won that the Democrats have not protested and said that it was illegitimate. Um, Hillary Clinton has, since 2016, has spent her entire public life declaring Donald Trump as an illegitimate president and that, and then that the election was stolen for him by Russia. These these are these are things that are okay to say if you're a Democrat, but not okay to say if you're Donald Trump or a Republican. Um, we are told by our government that the 2020 election was the most secure in American history. Um, this I, I've said many times on this podcast that gaslighting is the is the term of the year. It's the term of the decade, I think, because anybody anybody with any objectivity can look at what happened. Um, in this, in that 2020 election and not think to themselves, golly, that was really the most secure election in American history because voting rules were changed on the fly, often illegally, like in the, in the state of Pennsylvania, it is not, um, the secretary of state cannot just re rewrite 
election rules, but that's what happened. It's that's supposed to be of the legislature. And then the judiciary that is um, dominated by Democrats because it's an elected position in Pennsylvania um, agreed that, yeah, the Democrats who control the elections in Pennsylvania could just rewrite the rules. And um, that just happened to favor Democrats in the way they run elections. So just that one data point, you can legitimately say, I think that this election was fishy and not on the up and up. And so, you know, Donald Trump's indicted. Let, let's let's be clear here. There is a pretty darn good chance that Donald Trump could be in jail very soon. I mean, I, I believe there there needs to be uh, there needs to be a hearing, and the judge will decide whether or not Trump is is going to be out on bail. These are federal felony charges. These are charges that put you in jail for a long time. I know Donald Trump is kind of jokingly he sent out a fundraising letter saying that. Um, he could be he could be sentenced to like 571 years in jail based on on this indictment. Uh, so, you know, donate to his his uh, legal defense fund, I guess. I don't know. But um, to, to, know, his commissary, judge, uh, uh, to his yeah. commissary tab, <laughs> the, the, this the judge in charge of this case in Washington, D.C., is basically the hanging judge for all of the January 6 conspirators. She has a judge that even the prosecution for um you know prosecuting um people you know that were at the capitol on that day uh two and a half years ago um the prosecution would ask for a sentence she would give them more time in jail and she's the one handling now uh this trump case and he's basically being charged with with uh, expressing opinions about the election that um the, the biden regime doesn't share that the winner of the election doesn't share that the winner of the election says undermines their authority. Well, nobody cared about that when Trump was president and uh, Hillary Clinton and all the Democrats opposed his taking office. Um, there were objections to the electoral college process in Congress in 2017 to try to prevent Donald Trump from being president. So this shows and we'll talk a little bit more about it later because i think we have to talk about the biden crime family scandals as well and how this all kind of relates to it and you can compare the two but this is um th this we don't i'm a little calmer today donnie than i was yesterday when we talked about this because i had i was getting angry and i was yelling so it's going to be a little calmer today you always take the hate that the rage out of me sometimes i don't <laughs> yeah, know if right. that's good or bad when you come in and talk with me but um you know look this this I said yesterday, it's kind of hard to find the words to express what's happening in this country sometimes, that we have a two-tier justice system, that that the Justice Department, the Department of Justice run by the Biden administration, um, puts grandmothers in jail after they were escorted into the into the into the nation's capital or into the Capitol building, uh, puts them in jail uh, and then lets the basically covers up and lets the Biden family get away with what are actual serious crimes. And it's it's you wonder what's happened to America. And, you know, people say, you know, we're losing America. Sometimes it's hard to feel that it's not already gone and that if this is actually the new normal, uh, then America, as as we've known it or we thought we knew it, doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I mean, Linnea, this uh, it, it just seems so bizarre. There's there's a whole bunch of different ways that you can look at this, whether this is just like, um, you know, almost like 
an attempt at vindication, you know, to prove everything that you've ever that the left has ever said about Trump. And, and now it's like, well, once he's like locked up, then we were vindicated for all of this. Or is this just being done for like political uh, advantage for Biden with the upcoming election? Or there's probably 50 other type of, uh, you know, speculatory things that might all have some type of impact on this, a factor in all of this. But what is your initial kind of thoughts when you saw this news kind of break about this third set of indictments? Well, even if by some miracle this set gets thrown out or, you know, if Trump wins with this judge, which I, I'm very skeptical of because she is a crazy person, as Jim said, she is the hanging judge for January 6th. Um, but it, it's hard not to be uh, very disturbed by all of this because, you know, you had, what was it? 2018, 19, 2020, like all through there, um, you know, you had all these former intelligence um, people come forward and say that like the Hunter Biden laptop, for instance, was Russian disinformation. And we know now that that's not true. Is anyone that was involved in pushing that conspiracy that helped Joe Biden win um, going to see any jail time for that? Of course not. You know, it's not illegal to question an election. Mm -hmm. It's not illegal to even make up crazy conspiracy theories about an election. None of that is illegal. And I'm, I'm very frightened about what is going to happen to, you know, free speech in particular in this country. Uh, if this precedent is set, I think that it'll, it's, yeah, it's very dark. Um, right. Yeah, no, I mean, according to that AP News article that I used to kind of intro this topic, uh, the, uh, the, the DOJ is trying to hold Trump accountable for, quote, an unprecedented effort to block a peaceful transfer of presidential power. So let me pull out my dictionary for a second. Unprecedented. Uh, adjective, never done or known before. Okay, got it. So this has never happened. Nothing like this has ever happened before. It's my favorite word. It's my favorite word in the world. Uh, so dealing just, with climate change stuff. Oh yeah, right. You probably hear it all the time. So um, let's just say, you know, just for sake of argument, uh, just to clarify this idea of unprecedented. Let's say there was a coordinated effort between, I don't know, Democrats and activists and Hollywood celebrities back during, I don't know, the previous election that all tried to change the outcome of the election by pressuring the electors to vote counter to the will of the people that they represented. If that happened, then this wouldn't be unprecedented, right? Thank God, you know, for all of these people involved that that didn't happen because it would look really silly, wouldn't they? Um, Andy, play the clip with the celebrities. <laughs> members of the Electoral College, this message is for you. As you know, our founding fathers built the Electoral College to safeguard the American people from the dangers of a demagogue and to ensure that the presidency only goes to someone who is, to an eminent degree, endowed with the requisite qualifications. An eminent degree. <laughs> someone who is highly qualified for the job. The Electoral College was created specifically to prevent an unfit candidate from becoming president. There are 538 members of the Electoral College. You and just 36 other conscientious Republican electors can make a difference by voting your conscience on December 19th and thereby shaping the future of our nation. I'm not asking you to vote for Hillary Clinton. I'm not asking you to vote for Hillary Clinton. 
I'm not asking you to vote for Hillary Clinton. As you know, the Constitution gives electors the right to vote for any eligible person. Any eligible person, no matter which party they belong to. But it should certainly be someone you consider especially competent. Especially competent to serve as President of the United States of America. By voting your conscience, you and other brave Republican electors can give the House of Representatives the option to select a qualified candidate for the presidency. I stand with you. I stand with you. I stand with you. I stand with you in support and solidarity with conservatives, independents, and liberals. And all citizens of the United States. The American people trust that your voice speaks for us all. And that you, you will make yourself heard through the constitutional responsibility granted to you by Alexander Hamilton himself. What is evident is that Donald Trump lacks more than the qualifications to be president. <laughs> he lacks the necessary stability. And clearly the respect for the constitution of our great nation. You have position. The authority. And the opportunity to go down in the books as an American hero who changed the course of history. And you have my respect. You have my respect. You have my respect. For your patriotism. And service to the American people. All right. Unite for America. Yeah, yeah, for those audio-only listeners, uh, that was a bunch of uh, celebrities, you know, some bigger than others, um, many of them from MASH, I noticed. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know how much sway that show has anymore, but uh, all encouraging the uh, electors of the electoral college to vote counter to what uh you know the 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 vote of the people had to say and instead elect hillary clinton and as jim expertly put in those little comments on the bottom of that video that really seemed legit when i first watched this and so you get to like the second half of the video but it sounds kind of insurrectiony to me so uh jim jokes aside um you know what wh is this not like just like the same thing that they're now accusing Trump of doing, at least in part. Well, if the statute of limitations hasn't run out, everyone in that video should be um, under federal indictment right now because they were encouraging. I mean, it's it's I found that video and yeah, I put the I put some of the, the things on the bottom because I think we played it on the podcast, at least part of it on the podcast, uh, maybe a year ago. And. I remember people in the comments like, who is that? Oh, I forget who that is. I don't know who that is. So I, I started out by putting everybody's name on the bottom and what show they might have, you might have seen them on. And then, you know, some and some jokes and some other things in there as well. But it, it's kind of it, it was a trip down memory lane because you kind of forget all of this stuff that, um, you know, Trump broke people's brains. It made them insane. In fact, people are still people's brains, a lot of people's brains, especially in Hollywood and people on the left in our media. Their brains are still broken. They're still obsessed with Donald Trump. Uh, and of course, now he's indicted and they want to see him and they want to see him die in jail. They want him in jail um, so that he can't win the election or, or maybe they want him in jail and to have the Republican nomination so that we have uh, we go to full absurdity and have a guy running from prison like <laughs> like like we're some, you know, the, the term banana republic doesn't even do it Uh find another fruit, you know, maybe we're, I don't know what it is, <laughs> but that is absolutely insane. And look, all of those people on the, on that, on that video were asking, they really thought, yeah, we talked about this again yesterday, Donnie. And it was like, um, there's a, there was another clip. I don't know if we, if we'll play it, but like Chris Hayes had Michael Moore on his show and they had on the bottom on a big, in big letters, 35 days. It was 35 days until inauguration day. And when 
Trump won, um, not only did Hillary um, hatch the whole Russian, um, you know, Russia stole the election for Trump uh, BS that um, people still believe to this day, by the way, uh, but it's a complete fact. It was always a complete fabrication. Um, it didn't happen. It's the definition of fake news. And 100 years from now, a percentage of Americans will still believe that Russia got Donald Trump elected. But there were you you forget that the people on the left in the media and, and Hollywood, those, those those people were trying to figure out a way to stop Donald Trump from being seated as president of the United States. And so you can imagine they're sitting around. We have to do something. What can we do? Well, technically, although he won the election, he won't be president unless the, until the Electoral College votes in Congress and then uh, the Electoral co College votes are presented in Congress and then he takes the inauguration and then he's president. So maybe we can do something to stop him. Here's something. This, this, I know this sounds crazy, but what if, what if we got a bunch of celebrities around to, to, to read the same script and we'll intercut them all this stuff and we'll do it in a real somber tone. And maybe we'll, we'll be able to convince 35 or so of these electors to not vote for Donald Trump. And then the entire election system will be thrown into chaos and illegitimized. And then Donald Trump won't take office. And this nightmare that we had that we still are not waking up from on Election Day of 20, uh, 2016 will be over and then we can get back to normal. So there, that was just one effort. There were many, many efforts. Um, members of Congress voted to stop the certification of Donald Trump being president of the United States. Oh, and that was just fine. That was just fine. And now Donald Trump is um, perhaps going to spend the rest of his life in jail because he said that this election wasn't on the up and up. Um, but there were real efforts. These people were really serious about it. They wanted somehow, some way, some technicality to stop Donald Trump from being president, to make it all go away because they are insane. And now that insanity is actually taken root in our Department of Justice. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many different examples uh, of this, uh, again, of things that they're accusing Trump of um, that, again, unprecedented. That's the word. It's unprecedented. And you might think like, OK, well, these are just celebrities, supporters that are saying these things. It wasn't that the actual Democratic Party. I didn't see Hillary Clinton in that video or something like that. So, um, you know, it's not like the Democratic Party was planning of essentially doing exactly what they're accusing Trump of doing in the in the, you know, lead up to the 2020 election. Oh, wait, what do we have here? So back in the lead up uh, to the 2020 election, Democrat Party operatives conducted a series of war games simulating different possibilities about how the election would go. If this sounds familiar, it's because we did talk about this pretty briefly, I think back when it like originally happened. And I completely forgot about this um, until Jim brought it up. And now looking it up in the context of this Trump indictment thing, it's wild. So again, these are simulated war games where like John Podesta played the role of Joe Biden and other Democrat operatives played other various roles in an effort to project what could happen given a particular scenario. So one of these scenarios war gamed out was labeled game three, clear Trump win. This scenario posited a comfortable electoral college victory for President Trump. In the simulation, the stand-ins representing the Trump campaign tried to portray widespread protests of Trump as anti-American, undemocratic, and the promotion of mob rule. The Democrats simulated Trump campaign also 
quote, planted agent provocateurs into the protests throughout the country to ensure that these protests turned violent and helped further the narrative of a violent insurrection against a lawfully elected president. The Biden campaign in the simulation after retracting their election night concession promotes the idea of widespread voter suppression before and on election day. The simulated Biden campaign then goes on to encourage three states with Democratic governors, North Carolina, Wisconsin, and Michigan, to ask for recounts. They also attack the Electoral College as being illegitimate. And uh, this is also kind of quoting directly from this. It says, uh, at the end of the first turn, the country was in the midst of a full-blown constitutional crisis characterized by one, political chaos, two, widespread threats of violence and sporadic actual violence in the streets, uh, and hostile, dangerous, highly partisan, and frequently unconstrained information and media environment. The game ended in a constitutional crisis with threats of secession, and the potential for either a decline in authoritarianism or a radically revamped set of democratic rules that ensure the popular will prevails. The abolishment of the Electoral College, making D.C. and Puerto Rico states and other changes. So this is just crazy to me, again, in light of all of the stuff that's being accused of Trump. And a couple of things come to mind. One, is it crazy to me that they are planning all of this stuff out? Like, I I think when we originally covered this, this was kind of like our our only real takeaway. Like, would they have actually done some of this if there was a clear Trump win? And two, if this was all punishable with the charges now being leveled against Trump, why would they have simulated that Joe Biden do this? Like, if this is going to land Joe Biden 400 years in jail, why would they simulate him do all of this stuff? And three, it's incredible that they simulate that the Trump regime plan uh, planted agent provocateurs into protests to ensure that these protests turn violent and helped further the narrative of a violent insurrection but of course anyone questioning whether you know the side that incorporated this very strategy into their war games actually did this in real life now nah, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist so Linnea I mean this this stuff is wild what, what do you what's your take on it It almost feels like our elected officials aren't the people who call the shots in this government. (laughs) Isn't that weird? Wouldn't that be crazy if there was something, I don't know, like a deep state or something that was actively working against the people's interests? Conspiracy Uh, theorists. How dare you say that? I mean, I'm just just doing war games here, right? Uh, Who knows (laughs) what is actually going on? But, you know, it's it's really, we do this all the time on the right. Uh, It's it's the Democrats do something insane or the left in general does something that's insane. They, they do some kind of a, an attack using the legal system or using something else that Republicans would never get away with, or libertarians would never get away with. I'm not trying to be like a party person on this, but, but, and then we say, gosh, imagine if it was on the other foot, we're going right. to say that to the gulag. <laughs> like, Seriously. We are, Seriously. we are going to keep saying that until they are putting us into cars, you know, like it's, it's getting a little bit ridiculous. Um, it's very frightening. 
Um, the idea that it would even occur to them to write in the idea of planting people to make things go violent right. <laughs> in a protest. Right. Like, man, it kind of sounds like something that might have happened before, but I don't know. I'm not a conspiracy theorist or anything. So, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's hard to even, like Jim said earlier, it's hard to even articulate just how and just how bad this is in the long term um, for the health of the country. There's a lot of people who are talking about, um, you know, just how unstable and just how uh, polarized the society is right now. People are moving based on politics, which I don't think has happened all that much in the past. Like people are actively leaving states, not just due to policy, but because they're sick and tired of being surrounded by people who seem to hate them, you know, um, or who they're being told hate them. Mm -hmm. It's, it's getting scary out there and this kind of stuff. And we've seen, you know, even worse with the protests that, well, I'm sorry, the, um, fiery, but mostly peaceful protests in <laughs> 2020. And I, I don't anticipate that not happening again. Um, if things don't go their way. Well, I mean, let, let's talk about the insurrectionist protests too, right? So rioters breaking into the Capitol building on the day the new president's going to be sworn in. It's not a good look. We acknowledge that on day one of this show, but uh, is it unprecedented? So let's take you back to the distant year of the previous general election, where you might not remember this due to nobody caring, but uh, the streets weren't exactly peaceful on the day that Donald Trump was being inaugurated. Let, let's go ahead and play a little assortment of clips from the D.C. riots. Watch out, watch out. Hey, in the streets people yep. injured buildings vandalized cars set on fire i was looking at uh, news stories talking about how several police officers were taken to the hospital due to injuries from protesters oh my god folks i mean i thought that only happened once on january 6 2021 and never happened ever again but no apparently it, it, it happened the last time we had an election 200 people were arrested and guess what Nobody faced any jail time. So, Jim, thoughts on this? Um, I'll give you basically final words on this whole topic. We're already halfway through the show. Uh, I remember from the Trump Inauguration Day protests, uh, the only thing I remember from it was that one lady, like in the, like the yellow vest and like the little beanie hat, screaming as loud as she could at the sky. But that's it. Like, that's the only thing I remember about that. Yeah. So. Well, we, we, you know, a lot of the things we talk about on this podcast half this country doesn't realize is going on. Um, half the country, if you asked, if you did a poll, were there riots on the inauguration day of, of for Donald Trump in 2017? 
I bet half this country would say, no, there weren't. Um, but of course, you can see the video, there were. Um, this this whole thing kind of reminds me, what we've talked about here in the first half hour of this podcast, kind of reminds me of that story that uh, we read it from Time Magazine on, on fortifying the election. Uh, we read it stuff from that from that article on the podcast and the podcast got taken down off of YouTube for um, wrong speak, um, even though it was in Time Magazine on how the left and the media and, and governments run by Democrats had and, and big tech fortified the election uh, to make sure, of course, uh, that Joe Biden won and that uh, Donald Trump wouldn't. And all of that stuff uh, was easily um, discoverable by our media um, before the election. But of course, they didn't report it before the election. They reported it after the election, after their candidate, Joe Biden, was secured as president of the United States. Um, you know, and just, you know, we started this podcast talking about the fact that Joe Biden's Justice Department has indicted his chief political rival with the very real possibility that he will be in jail um, in, in a very in very short order. And because it's handled by basically the hanging judge who hates everybody who showed up to protest on January 6th. And by the way, um, I've seen lots of clips of January 6th. If you watch CNN, you, you couldn't get away from it. It's always on television. They'll never show that riot that actually happened. But the clips I've seen of January 6th don't look um, any worse than that and maybe not as bad as that at all. Um, but that's supposedly the worst thing that's ever happened in this country. Um, you know, even with this, the biggest constitutional crisis or the biggest threat to democracy since the Civil War and all that other kind of nonsense. But, you know, as I mentioned before, there's like two levels. There's 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 a two tier justice system in this country. Um, we haven't gotten into it and we're going to have to do it, I think, soon on another podcast. But about the Biden crime family and their corruption, I mean. What's interesting is that every time news broke, and it's it's broken three times. It broke three times in July, um, testimony in Congress about the um, the bribery scheme in which Ukraine uh, oligarchs were giving money to the Bidens for their influence. Um, this was testified in Congress. Um, it, it may in a just world this would be um, in a criminal indictment, and we'd see the proof of it in a, in a court of law. But we're not going to see that at all. Um, but you know, John Hayward is somebody I follow on Twitter, Doc Zero, and I actually that's his his handle on on Twitter. But he's he's a writer for Breitbart, and uh, he he had a great thread on this, and he he described what he calls the Biden's rape rapacious corruption, and that's really what it is. I mean, Joe Biden and his and his son saw how these Ukrainian oligarchs were making billions, and they wanted. To, to cash in for millions. I mean, they were, I, I see them as being jealous, you know, and then how can they do this? Well, Joe is vice president and he is in charge of Ukraine policy. So this is perfect. This is perfect. We can do this. And they never thought that it would ever be discovered. They never thought they would ever get caught. Um, you know, I, I'm still wondering what business acumen does anybody with the last name Biden have ever demonstrated in anything? The Biden family business is corruption. The Biden family business is selling influence. That's all they have. Joe Biden has never had a, a job outside of government his entire life. I think, well, I think he spent one year, like back in 1970, as a, as a private sector lawyer. But his entire life has been in public service. And yet he has houses, multiple houses, mansions, vacation homes. How did he get this rich? How do so many politicians get rich? A lot of them come in with a very little net worth and they leave as millionaires. And that's because it's it's hard. That's what I'm talking about. Like, it's hard to kind of, you know, find the words 
You know, there, there's an America that we think exists. There's an America that we were raised to believe in. We want to think the best in our in our in our, of our of our country. We want to trust our institutions. And yes, you know, there's always corruption. There's been corruption in the American government since its founding. There's always a certain level of corruption, and you just kind of put up with that. Um, you expect it, but you don't expect it to be so blatant and out in the open. And not just the corruption of corrupt politicians, but a corrupt system that doesn't not go after it. Does it, it doesn't just fail to go after? actual crimes, actual um, corruption, um, the paying off of, of, of politicians to influence policy, which is like the definition of bribery. I'm not saying that the, the Bidens are necessarily guilty of this, but it should be a criminal. There should be a criminal indictment and we should get to the bottom of it. There shouldn't just be news stories on right wing media that half this country doesn't read. Half this country has no idea about what's going on with the Biden family and, that, and, and uh, the Ukraine and all of this stuff. They have no idea. And it's because every institution in this country has been covering up for Biden and all of these things from the very beginning. The media doesn't report on it. And even the Department of Justice won't go after him. They won't even not go after him. They will cover up what is going on so that fewer, you know, with, with the expectation and the hope that nobody will find out, you know, and I'll just one last thing. I know we have to move on to our next topic, but um, I think, Lene, you brought up the Hunter Biden laptop. Um, the FBI knew that the Hunter Biden laptop was real in 2019, a year, yep. maybe a year and a half before the 2020 election, the 50, 51 um, former intelligence officials, you know, author a letter at the behest of the Biden administration. They asked them to do this, calling the Hunter Biden laptop um, Russian disinformation. The FBI knew that was a lie. Immediately, they knew that was a lie. And they said nothing. No, and, and even the rank and file people that people say, you know, you got to, you know, the top of the FBI may, may be corrupt. But, you know, those 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 uh, there's a lot of honest cops in there trying to do their best. Not one person in that FBI leaked the truth that that was Hunter Biden's laptop was real. And the FBI had it and knew about it for a year and a half. Nobody in the FBI let anybody know the truth on that. They let the lie sit out there. And right. so when you so it's not just the individual corruption of an individual politician, it's it's deep. It's a it's a corruption deep in the core of the institutions in this country that we need to trust in order to have a functioning republic. And the entire system, as we're seeing here in the, in the justice system, how they're treating Donald Trump and how they're treating Joe Biden. Um, it just it it just it, it makes you think, you know, maybe that America that I thought existed never did exist. Maybe it was just a fantasy in our minds. Maybe we were just told that um, America is special and good. And that we can we need to trust, you know, we're better than everybody else. We're not when our when our when our most important um, institutions in this country are so utterly corrupt and we're seeing it all now in, in, in front of our eyes. It's happening. Um, it's it's hard to, again, find the words to to express what's going on and whether it can ever be fixed. And I, I am starting to lose faith that we can ever get the America that even we were fooled that was good back, let alone the America that we're told exists back because the, the corruption just runs so deep and that uh, they're just blatant about it. They don't even care anymore that people know because they know that they will never, ever be held accountable. Yeah. We got a super chat during your, uh, is, we call that a rant. I don't know. I think that was just an impassioned speech, but uh super chat from Christine here saying, every time you speak the truth, Jim, you poke holes in the false narrative. This helps tremendously. Thank you, Christine, for that support for the show. It's greatly appreciated. So uh, just to kind of tie a bow on the whole 
indictment thing with uh, with Donald Trump. Like the bottom line is nobody likes losing. Everybody throws a fit. Sometimes those fits are completely unjustified. Sometimes maybe they are a little justified. But to call what went down on January 6, 2021, unprecedented is a joke. It's an absolute joke. And honestly, if Trump really wanted to execute a coup on on the uh, to overthrow the election, take over the United States, law and order be damned, I'm positive he could have done a better job than QAnon shaman being given a free tour around the Capitol building by security. Like, really? Like, did it really feel like democracy was hanging on by a thread uh, <laughs> when that guy was putting his feet up on the desk of Pelosi? Really didn't seem like it to me, right? So let's move on. Let's stop pretending that January 6, 2021 was anything other than a riot by mostly disgruntled Trump supporters. And this idea of, like, trying to hold Trump accountable, like, what's the objective there? Because if the objective there is to just, like, make sure that, you know, every crime has to be punished or whatever, like, first off, we've just shown that that's all BS. This isn't unprecedented and all of that. But, like, what you are doing, what the left is doing, is trying to create him into a political martyr, which is only going to result in more stuff like this. So is that the goal? Call me a conspiracy theorist, but... I don't know. That kind of seems like the goal to me. Uh, Linnea, I told Jim I would give him the final words, but I'm going to give you the final words on this before we talk about some climate change stuff. Well, there isn't really a whole lot to add. You guys really <laughs> covered it. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it is frightening to see the just as frightening as it is to see the complicity of the media in this. You know, there is no such thing as a, you know, impartial journalist in the mainstream media right now. Every single one of them holds water for the regime. Every single one of them. You know, we were talking at the beginning of the show of uh, about John Stossel being on ABC. And the first thought that came to my mind was, man, never in a million years, <laughs> never again will anything like that ever happen on ABC News. Right. It's just not possible. So, yeah, no, it's um, we're, we're getting into some pretty frightening times. Um, and I'm like you said, indicting Trump, if it does cause some kind of a reaction, uh, I'm sure that they'll find a way to make it work out for them. Sure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Andy, there was a, a nice little comment that you just showed. I think it was from like a Matt G, I think. Uh, they're no longer conspiracies at this, this point. They are now spoiler alerts. And that is a nice theme for the second half of the show. Uh, where we're going to talk about all sorts of different climate authoritarianism that's all being just brushed away is just conspiracy theory stuff. So, Lene, I'm going to stick with you oh, again. Man. Let's talk about some climate change and some government author authoritarianism, shall we? So UN General Secretary Antonio Gutierrez uh, has given a speech recently about the state of climate change and the fight against it and all of that. And, and he says that the era of global warming is over. Don't get too Yay. excited. Don't get too excited. <laughs> Let's play the clip, Andy. Of oh, this terrible looking gentleman. For vast parts of North America, Asia, Africa, and Europe, it's a cruel summer. For the entire planet, it is a disaster. And for scientists, it is unequivocal. Humans are to blame. Climate change is here. It is terrifying. And it is just the beginning. The era of global warming has ended. The era, the era of global boiling has arrived. The air is unbreathable. The heat is unbearable. 
and the level of fossil fuel profits and climate inaction is unacceptable. Leaders must lead. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Yeah, so uh, first off, I love how he says humans are to blame. And the way that he says it makes it seem like he's not included in the, you know, in that equation. But, you know, whatever. We'll leave that to other conspiracy theories to talk about. But uh, so, so, Linnea, I mean, I know that there's been a slew of stories and headlines of late uh, declaring the hottest days or the hottest weeks or the hottest months ever on record this summer. And, and thankfully here in Chicago, it's been a relatively mild summer i think we've had like two days in excess of 100 degrees otherwise the heat has been not noteworthy whatsoever but i know that it's been super hot in arizona and texas and surely some other places around the world so what's the truth here cut through the media bs for me are we now boiling well i i can only imagine that he got that talking point from a uh, a single buoy temperature collection uh, location in South Florida in the Everglades that um, recorded temperatures of like 100 degrees or 101 degrees or so in this one little lagoon. Um, the problem with that is that the way the media framed it was that it was like a buoy out in the middle of the ocean somewhere. Like this is the normal ocean temperature is now 100 degrees sure. Fahrenheit. Uh, and I think that um, our eminent judge of the world, uh, Mr. Gutierrez, uh, believed that it was Celsius, perhaps. <laughs> and that's why he thinks it's boiling. Um, good theory, good theory. But, but the, the, the point of the matter is this is in like five feet of water at probably low tide. And so there's a very good chance that it was like sitting on the mud when that wow. temperature was recorded. So, uh, it probably wasn't really anywhere near that, um, I have not personally checked the other buoys near it, but I'm sure that none of them recorded that kind of a temperature. Although, you know, it's shallow water with a mud bottom. It's going to get hot in the summer and it probably does frequently. And in fact, that buoy has recorded temperatures around the 100, 100 up to 102 degrees, I believe, in the past mm -hmm. as well. So it was not unprecedented, <laughs> as my favorite word is. Um, so that's where I, I, I think that he gets that from. And it is stupid. And it is extremely alarmist, but I don't know, as stupid, as dumb as it is, it's not outside of the realm of dumb that they've already said, sure. <laughs> you know, the, the whole idea that we have like a looming climate catastrophe, that we are at any point in time about to reach a tipping point, at which point like ocean currents are going to shut down. Um, you know, I don't know what else they think. It's, <laughs> there's so much of it that it all blends together into just this big, amorphous blob of give us more money and we'll make the weather better yeah right yeah i mean jim this just rings of desperation to me like he's he's just there amping up the hyperbole to 11 which is standard for our producer andy but it seems like that's pretty out there for the people in the un like in five ten years like what what will he even say to one up boiling you know, is it going to be global roasting? Are we going to be entering an era of global hellfire? Like, what do you think about this declaration? Well, I, I keep waiting for it. I keep waiting for there to be uh, a limit to the absurdity uh, and the abuse of language to describe 
what's going on on the planet. I mean, Linnea does this for a living. I kind of, and so do I, I guess, but I'm more of a hobbyist when it comes to uh, watching and reacting to climate alarmism. But, you know, global, the, the era of global warming is over and the era of global boiling has begun. I mean, that is so absurd. Uh, but the reason they use this language is because this is the kind of language you need to use in order to control the cult that you are the leader of. Um, this is the, I call it the climate cult all the time for a reason, because it is. It has all the hallmarks of a cult or a religion. Um, because you know, there are, there are, you must believe it's not really science-based as, as Andy showed that chart and, and, and Linnea just mentioned it offhand because she knows this topic backwards and forwards. You know, if you look at that, it was a hundred looking at that chart, it was, it reached that same temperature. I think the, yeah. In, in what is that? I guess around 2007, 2000 or 2009. So, um, you know, 15 years ago, it was the same temperature. Yet now we, we are global boiling. And so the media never noticed it before or the um, the climate propagandists never noticed it before. And they didn't use it then to say that it's climate you know, global boiling happening right now. But as Linnea pointed out, the media you know, was reporting this as if um, the, 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 the it's unprecedented heat, um, hot water off the shores of Florida in the summer in five feet of water or, or maybe even less than that. Um, during a certain point in the day. And again, if you look at that chart, you see that it's really not that uh, unusual at all for that to happen. Uh, it, it's, it, all of this is, is done uh, to, again, to control the cult members. Um, you know, most people, I don't think, buy this stuff. I, I, polls show it all the time. Um, whenever we post videos on, uh, uh, you know, the comments under the videos we do on climate on this channel, um, you know, it's full of people that say this is full of baloney. I don't think the vast majority of people actually believe global boiling is underway or that human activity is going to is going to destroy the ability for us to live uh, and survive as a species on the planet, which is what these climate cultists are peddling. But you don't need the you don't even you don't need a majority of the people to believe this stuff. You need a very small minority to believe this stuff in order for the governments to justify taking yeah. control over your life. Um, yeah, all those cultists, people are at Davos too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it, that's this is what the World Economic Forum uh, harps on. This is what you know ESG is about with the E for environmental. That's it's it's first for a reason, and it's because environmental panic allows governments from the United States to global governments to NGOs to control our lives in order to save the planet. But you don't like I said, you don't need the majority of people to believe this. You need just a, a critical mass of people to believe this. And they've been working on this for decades. And I really do fear that they're getting, um, uh, you know, perilously close to achieving their goal, which is um, basically shutting down and reordering society based on a climate crisis that doesn't exist. And, and even though most of the people won't believe that the climate crisis is real, it won't matter because the power will already be in their hands and they'll, they will exercise it. And they're doing it in, in small, in they do it in small ways and they're doing it in increasingly large ways all the time. Like California saying that you can't, um, there will be no sale of an internal combustion engine car starting in, what is it, 2035? I think New York does the same thing. Um, New York State saying no more gas stoves because that's gonna harm the environment. California already um, has it so that there's no, you can't, you can't build 
new properties or renovate a house and put a fireplace in it or put a gas stove in it or put a gas water heater in it or put a gas furnace in it. Um, so they already have the control. They're already exercising it all based on a complete lie, which is that human activity is destroying the planet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I always an advocate of kind of using these people's terms against them. You know, like the great reset was one of these things that we, that we constantly harped on to a point where they ran away from it. And I feel like we should do the same thing with global boiling, like no more calling it climate change, no more yeah. calling it global warming. We'll only refer to it as climate <laughs> boiling. You know, that, yeah. I, think, I think eventually they have to run away from that. But well, and some of some of their buddies in the media have already started saying, "Man, I really wish that Gutierrez had not said that because <laughs> <laughs> climate skeptics are already, you know, we're laughing at it because it's exactly ridiculous. right." So, in this era of global boiling, yeah. what's insane to me is that all of this rhetoric um, it, it justifies essentially any action taken in the name of pushing back against climate change. So, Justin discusses this point a lot, and I think that it's an important one. If we're all going to die from climate change, then anything is justifiable. And often Justin invokes this idea in the wake of crazy protesters spraying paint on, you know, priceless paintings or something or gluing their hands to the road. But it goes for policy, too. So, I mean, what policies would be off the table if the fate of humanity is at stake? Renewable energy subsidies? Would those be off the table? Of course not. Electric vehicle mandates? The Green New Deal? Elimination of air travel? The elimination of the meat industry? How about climate lockdowns? Is population control too far if it's in the effort of staving off global boiling? Population control, a topic that we discussed in length two episodes ago. You should check that out if you're interested. And we're in another one of those situations that I think we're just primed for gaslighting because many of these things are being discussed or at the very least being tiptoed around. Uh, but if we but if we talk about it, we're called conspiracy theorists. But like I said, like when the world is at stake, why shouldn't these things be discussed if they're if they're justified actions in pretend, you know, uh, you know, to they're justified and trying to stave off the apocalypse or something, then why aren't they being seriously proposed? And then as soon as they are seriously proposed and the snap of the finger, it's going to switch from you're just a conspiracy theorist to, yeah, it's real and it's a good thing. Like, yeah. that's the situation that we're going to find ourselves in. We just saw an example of this with the gas stoves. The crazy lunatic Republicans think Democrats are going to take away your gas stoves. Yeah, gas stoves are bad and they should be banned. It was yeah. honestly that fast. Oh, and it's speeding up. The the distance between the it's not happening, it should it's not happening. Okay, it is happening, but it's a good thing. Yes. It's become shorter and shorter and shorter. Yeah, that's because they're pushing the limit. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're pushing the limit to see how much people will take before they'll start noticing. There was a very funny video um, that I think it was um, a YouTuber called JonTron did, where part of his video is him doing a skit where he's sitting in front of the TV and they're like, or he's in a game show or something. And the interviewer is asking him, so why do you think that the world is ruled by this like global elite or whatever and he goes well i didn't used to but then they just started saying it on tv <laughs> <laughs> and it's really good and he plays a bunch of clips of course of them saying that kind of stuff about population control and whatnot on tv and it's wonder you know that's exactly what it is it's like you know you want to cling to the idea that okay well that would be crazy right yeah. i mean them talking about i don't know maybe jane goodall saying yeah. that the population of the earth needs to be reduced to 1 billion or half a million 
or um, yeah, it was sorry, what was million. it? Five hundred million. Yeah. Um, five hundred million in good in a short <laughs> amount of time in order to save the planet. Uh, that would be crazy, except she did say that on TV. <laughs> so uh, it's how yeah. how do you say how do you keep denying it? You just have to put your head in the sand and say no, no, no. Uh, they were saying that um, because uh maybe they just believe it but they don't really believe it <laughs> like yeah the, I, 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 to that exact point i have a cnn article that is titled davos conspiracy theories used to live on the fringe corners of the internet now they've gone mainstream and in this article they specifically talk about the glenn beck uh book co-authored by justin haskins contributed to by me the Great Reset, and the author of the CNN piece snidely brushes off conspiracy theories that about this, that the Great Reset has become a broadband brand of conspiracies about how global elites are plotting to use the masses for their own benefits. Is that a conspiracy? Like, how is that a conspiracy? I'm pretty sure that's it just is. like okay. human history. That's not but, a conspiracy. But, but Donnie, here's the thing. Look at the way that we're using this word. What does the word conspiracy mean? Yeah, right. Yeah, it is. It doesn't mean something that's false. Sure, right. It's a conspiracy it's, fact. But, but we've been, it's not but a we've been gaslighted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we've been gaslit into using the word conspiracy to, conspiracy to be synonymous with crazy theories with no evidence. Right. Uh, yeah, like I, I, I can't, I can't speak to any other book with the title "The Great Reset" because there's a few of them, but I can guarantee you the Glenn Beck book is chock full of direct statements. Uh, by global elites specifically using climate change as justification to reshape and fundamentally transform every aspect of society and every industry and and redefine the social contract and all of the, the direct quotes like you just said they're just saying this stuff we're not reading between the lines or like you know suggesting or inferring any nefarious like they're saying this stuff transforming the global economy into a stakeholder capitalist uh, model like they say this stuff how is it a conspiracy theory you know it used, to be, it used to be a lot harder to be a crazy conspiracy theorist uh you used to have to like add up the numerical value of words <laughs> in order to <laughs> you used to have to do like math in order to be a conspiracy theorist right. but now all you Look have to do symbols. is just yeah all you have to do now is just repeat what the elites are saying on TV. Yeah, just watch the the live stream <laughs> just, from Davos. Just, you know, yeah. like that's, that's all, all you have, have to do. do. It's well, really th this this plays into the the corruption of uh, of the media that Linnea was just was talking about before. It's like. Um, it, it, literally, like it's 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 not a conspiracy theory when you just quote what they say. Um, when you play their own videos, when they have conferences and they say things. Like the population should of the globe should only be five hundred million and not five eight billion what it is now. So yeah, I guess we'll just um, somehow, hopefully, ninety seven percent of the people on Earth will just disappear. I wonder how that's going to happen. I don't know, but you know, you you play their their very words, and it's called a conspiracy theory. And if we had an honest media, they would actually be mocking and pushing back at those calling the likes of us conspiracy theorists yeah. by doing what we do, which is playing their own videos transcribing their own words like like in the latest glenn beck book with uh justin haskins and and you also contributing to that as well donnie i mean it's it's again it's it's gaslighting it's like and they're not 
it's, it's like just for one example, like the 15 minute city. That's that's oh, one I'll of the, the that. ones that they, I want to get to that. Get to get to that. Yeah. Get to that separately because that yeah. to me is that 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 one and this next one. I got two All right. things. We're definitely going long. Uh, we're already long. But uh, so in that CNN article, there is also a sentence about the absurdity that global elites want us to eat bugs. Yeah. And it was also the subject of a recent NPR article uh, podcast, I think. And I'll admit, like, this one sounds crazy. Uh, that's why I looked into it extensively. I, because I thought for sure this was just like, you know, your crazy aunt that forwards you, you know, emails type of stuff. But I looked into it. And we've covered it on this podcast. There are many articles on the World Economic Forum website specifically advocating for increasing the role of insects in our food system. And all of the articles justify this proposal by invoking fears about climate change, your carbon footprints of livestock, etc. So, I mean, I think there's plenty of straw man stuff that's attached to some of these real things. Uh, you know, the idea that they're going to force you to do it. Like, you know, it's it's not necessarily like in that territory yet. It's more of just like advocating for these types of things. But, you know, as we talked about in last week's episode, there are people now advocating for that ESG be shaped to take on big food, quote unquote. And that proposal was to punish businesses uh, for producing like unhealthy foods or something. But is it a crazy leap in logic that one day the entire meat industry would be targeted and given lower ESG scores, giving companies that produce insect protein an artificial financial advantage? Because it's all in the name of stopping humanity from being destroyed by uh, uh, global boiling. Right. So why is that off the table? Like, why is that some crazy conspiracy theory to read these articles on the World Economic Forum website and make a slight, not even that big of a connection? Uh, any any further comments on on this particular one? And then I'll get to 15 minute cities. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not an illegitimate. Let's just call it a philosophical exercise <laughs> to see, OK, they're pushing that eating bugs is actually really cool and it's good for the environment and it's fun and people love doing it. Um, but I, I made this point to Andy before is that the only people who eat bugs are the people who are in extreme poverty or people who are very wealthy <laughs> uh, and, and can afford to be bored enough of filet mignon that they decide that they want to go and eat a cricket or whatever, or, you know, kids that, the mall wanting to try something gross because it's gross and funny. It's a, it's a interesting sampling. It's an interesting, weird thing to do. It's not a staple food unless you're in extreme poverty. So why are they gearing you up to make it a major part of your diet? Why are they trying to encourage you to make it a major part of your diet? And we know that the way that these, um, you know, these kind of green progressives work is like we said earlier, we goes from, Hey, you know, maybe we'll ban gas stoves and they get a backlash and they say, no, we're not going to ban gas stoves, but we're going to ban gas stoves. <laughs> and, and it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't take very much. Like I said, like you don't have to be an expert in numerology to uh, come up with the idea that the next step might be to start making it too expensive to have other things other than bugs. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. The, the carbon footprint of you eating that steak 
that needs to be uh, put into the cost, right? We need to account for those uh, externalities of you of your meat-heavy diet. So all of that will be taken into account through ESG. Punish these these companies that are you know raising livestock and putting the planet at peril. And then you know that giant facility that was just built in Canada about uh, two years ago, I think at this point, that's the largest producer of cricket protein oh yeah you know maybe they'll start being able to feed their protein uh, uh sources into the the diets of of you know canada the north america a little bit easier like that's how this stuff happens it doesn't like you know klaus schwab isn't forcing crickets down your throat but they have these mechanisms to push society and the economy mm-hmm. in the directions that they want to it's not a conspiracy theory it's a conspiracy fact uh jim comments on crickets and then I'm going to get to 15 minute cities. Well, I'm never going to eat crickets, not 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 knowingly. And I don't care if you cover them in chocolate or, um, you know, put them in a glass of beer. I'm still not going to have it or worms either. God, that's disgusting. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, John, just just in, in agriculture, John Kerry just said the other day that um, he, he says this is a crisis. Everything's a crisis. But agriculture is responsible for 33 percent of all um carbon dioxide emissions around the world and so we have to radically transform agriculture in order to address this or we'll never get to net zero uh okay well um how do you propose doing that well for one we're gonna have to use a lot less fertilizer it's like okay um so then we won't be able to grow enough food well We'll deal with that later, I guess. I mean, so, you know, maybe that maybe that's tied into um, depopulating the planet. So we only get down to um, 500 million people around here. Um, if you can't eat, you can't live. Um, but again, it's it's not a conspiracy theory to point out that John Kerry thinks that we have to radically transform agriculture all across the globe and not but also not use petroleum based fertilizers that help us increase yields and of course the left and the and, and those people don't like gmos either so you can't genetically modify crops so that they're resistant to disease or even um, grow in drought conditions nope can't do any of that so what what is the alternative so it's 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 not a conspiracy theory he says these things and it's also not unreasonable to be a little worried about the future when they are targeting the most essential human activity for our survival, which is agriculture. And we've seen what they what happened. We've played those videos before. Sri Lanka tried this. They tried um, um, banning the use of basically modern agricultural technology and people started starving and there were riots and they and they stormed the um, the presidential palace in Sri Lanka because they they wanted to put a stop to this nonsense. So, you know, this isn't about bugs. Um, it's about it's it's a lot it's about a lot more than that. It's yeah. it's about everything is the radical transformation of basically the way the world works. Mm-hmm. And when I say works, it means it's it's actually functional. So we're going to go from a society that works and radically transform it into a society that doesn't work. And we're all going to be suffering the consequences. And it's little by little, but it seems to be accelerating. That headline from Reuters is hilarious. It says that the government popularity has ebbed. Um, They like (laughs) burned the president's house down in Sri Lanka. (laughs) I can't say. I don't know. It sounds like a little bit of a euphemism. Yeah, I mean, we did cover agriculture uh, and that angle and John Kerry's comments 
probably, I don't know, a month ago, six weeks ago, something like that. Um, and we could do it again. There's an article that we're not going to have time to get to, World Economic Forum white paper they just released about a week ago called Green Returns, Unleashing the Power of Finance for Sustainable Food Systems. And it's basically all about leveraging ESG and banks and financial systems to pressure uh, uh, farmers and all of this to like... Um, you know, do basically whatever they want, uh, to, whatever the ESG proponents, World Economic Forum, all of those people want in the effort of making agriculture more green and all of that. And and uh, there's some there's some pretty interesting things in there, but we're going to save that for a future episode. The last thing I want to talk about is these 15 minute cities. And Jim showed me this article, sent this article, uh, E&E News. It's a Politico outfit, I think. And it's how urban planning turned into a climate conspiracy theory. So uh, I, I this one caught my attention because it's the third article that I've come across with this exact premise. The, the conspiracy, right, in its most simplest form, is that climate change is going to be used as justification to impose draconian climate lockdowns or at the very least limitations on your freedom of travel, etc., so the articles like this laugh off those concerns, saying that it's just an attempt to make cities more convenient. If everything you need is within 15 minutes, then you won't need to drive. This is all voluntary, you crazy lunatics over there. And my favorite one of these articles comes from Slate. Uh, I forgot it's it's I forgot what the name of it is. Uh, it's something about like 15 minutes of fame for these 15 minute cities or something like that. And after it explains the conspiracy theory and why it's just good old city planning, it acknowledges how Oxford, in Oxford, they are creating a, quote, souped-up toll network of ma on major roads, and these traffic filters will limit daytime car travel between Oxford's neighborhoods. The traffic filters will be enforced by a series of cameras, which will automatically fine drivers 70 pounds for crossing these zones without government permission. The article continues, Oxfordians will not be banned from visiting their mothers. You could just take a bus or ride a bike. And it's important that uh, Oxford do this because it will limit traffic congestion and, and make the air in the city cleaner, et cetera, et cetera. So remember, it's not a climate lockdown or a limitation on your freedom of travel. No, 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 no. It's just that your freedom of travel will have certain limitations, and those limitations are justified because of climate concerns. You see the difference? Do you see the difference? Because I don't. I don't at all. <laughs> so, so again, it's like, this is a conspiracy theory, and when it's not, it's actually a good thing. Like this one, yeah. it's like saying it, not even one directly after the other. It's like at the same time. This is, again, it's unprecedented speed that this stuff is happening. Uh, Linnea, I'll give you first whack at this at this uh, topic. Sure. Well, and I think one of the things that just kind of hit me recently is the people who get mad at you or they say, you know, you're crazy, you're taking this way too far, are the people who are looking at each one of these policies in isolation. Sure. As if the other policies are not also being proposed. And this is something that our government, the EPA actually does. And I think it's, um, I want to say it's Eric Worrell or someone over at What's Up With That, maybe even Steve Malloy. I'm not sure who I'm stealing this from, but I'm stealing it. Um, basically, the, the EPA gets away with passing a bunch of rules like an electrification rule at the same time as they pass a rule shutting down coal plants. And they say that 
shutting down coal plants is not going to have a negative effect on the grid because look at how much electricity that we use right now. It's not going to be a big deal. At the same time as passing something that's going to greatly increase the amount of electricity that we need to use. What they do is they analyze them in isolation, even though they intend to put them both forward at the same time. Whether that's intentional or not, uh, it's hard to believe that they don't know what they're doing. Um, But it's the same with this 15-minute city thing. In isolation, ignoring the tax part, that's that's terrible. That's completely obnoxious. Saying, like, we're going to put grocery stores closer to your home. We're going to make sure that you know, you don't have to go all the way across town in order to do stuff. You talk to a layperson about that and they're like, yeah, that sounds fine. On top of that, oh, and we're also going to tax you if you leave your neighborhood. Okay, that's less nice, but I guess I can take the bus. Well, and we're also going to use only electric buses, which can't always run and often have major problems. And so your bus fare will be very expensive and it'll be hard to get anywhere, especially long distance. You know, if you have to go all the way to the other end of the island or something, uh, that'll be a problem. And you'll have to probably eventually pay some kind of a consumption tax on, you know, all of the electricity that you're wasting on top of your bus fare. Um, And also we want you to eat bugs. (laughs) And also also we're not going to be able to deliver packages directly to your house at a rapid speed anymore because we cannot bring any like big trucks through because we're going to, you know, narrow the streets and stuff for aesthetic purposes, which people will like. But then all of a sudden, well, and you can't even order food to be delivered to your house within a reasonable amount of time. It's all of the things on top of each other. That's when you start to see what's going on. But a lot of people are completely unwilling to connect things themselves. They need, they want someone else to do it for them. But if you do it and you are saying that maybe then we shouldn't do this 15-minute city thing, then they're then they're going to tune out and they're going to say, no, your connections are invalid. I think that it's going to be just the things I like and none of the things that I'm scared yeah, of. Right. And that's nonsense. It's all going to come. Yeah, I mean, it's just setting up the infrastructure, you know, and obviously like those fines could easily be increased and maybe the permissions you get from the government become a little bit more strict. That seems to be the natural flow of things, especially when you have the justification of the world is ending and we can basically be justified in any of our actions and all of that. They they already have these ULEZ zones in the UK where they will fine you if you are driving a certain type of car in certain neighborhoods. Right. And the people are already darn well fed up with that because, you know, It's not unprecedented because we just went through a period of time where there were certain people that were considered essential to the, uh, you know, the world operating as it should and all of that. So not unprecedented. The first time that that's been used uh, during this podcast, Jim, take us home. We're, We're going really long here. I'll give you final words on any of this. Yeah. I mean, listening to this discussion and thanks Linnea for being on and we need to have you on a lot more often. Uh, I was thinking about when I was a kid in uh, elementary school, uh, in the 1970s, they were trying to impose the metric system on the United States, and we would see vid- we would see um, film strips and stuff on, you know, America is going to, um, you know, go to the metric system and we'll join the rest of the world. And for the most part, Americans said, "Nah, I, I don't want to do that." But they would they would say, "It's like, but it's so much easier to deal with. It's all divisible by ten. Nah, it's, that's all right. I like my my feet, my pounds, and my and all that stuff." And so we just it just they try to persuade us to do that. 
And America just said no. And Americans just said no. It's fine. We're just going to stick with the way we've always done it. And we like it that way because that's what we prefer. But now we don't live in a society in which they try to persuade you and try to convince you that this is a better way to live. We live in a society now where it's it's compulsory. So you can say to yourself, you know, they say, well, I, we need to be living in 15 minute cities where they but the world where they will be. Everything you need will be within 15 minute walk of where you live. And then so a normal freedom loving person might ask, how do you know what I need? Well, don't worry about it. We we know what you need and everything you need will be there. And then you say, you know what? I'll pass. I don't want I don't want to live like that. And they say, well, you should. It's like, well, no, I don't want to. And they go, OK, um, well, we'll what about these incentives? We'll, we'll make these incentives for you to make it so that you will want to do it. And then you say, you know, those incentives don't actually move the needle for me. I don't feel like doing it. And then you move from those incentives to banning the way you live your life and making it either more expensive by taxing it, like taxing meat. I like to eat um, steaks. Nope, we're going to tax that so that you can't afford to have it anymore. We're going to um, tax your property so that you are forced to move into, perhaps you'll be forced to move into a 15-minute city because we're going to make it um, unaffordable for you to live the life the way you choose to live it. And so that's this. And so it's not a conspiracy theory when these things are brought up because it is the logical um, and demonstrated method for how they want to achieve their goals. It is com it becomes compulsory because they ban all of the things that they don't want you to use anymore, like the incandescent light bulb, like the gas stove, like the gas water heater. Um, and so that's how they can get away with saying it's a conspiracy theory. And we're really not forcing you to do this. Um, but they are, um, right. and it's because they have the control, they have the power, um, they have power over you. You don't have mm -hmm. power over these people who yeah. are, who are mandating these things. And that's right. the, that's the conversation. That's where it leads to. It's like, well, I don't feel like doing it. Um, yeah. but they're the ones who have the power. So you will be made to do it. Yeah. Right. Uh, ESG, you're a company, yep. you don't have to comply with ESG, but guess what? You don't get any financial services. You don't get right. any bank loans nobody else will do business with you. All of that stuff. You could still not comply, Sure, but you basically won't exist, but it's voluntary, yeah, right? It's voluntary. Same way yeah. in like uh, China with their social credit scores. You know, you don't have to necessarily do what they're dictating. You just won't be able to get on a train or you know, buy a house or, or, uh, you know, live. Yeah. yeah. It, it, <laughs> it's all it, choice. It's just like with the COVID jab. No, we're not mandating you get it, but you can't travel. You can't go to work. Um, yeah, you can be yeah. fired from your job, but you certainly have the choice not to get it. Right. 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 Uh, all right. We are well over time. Um, viewers, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the In the Tank podcast. Join us every week for a new episode. Those audio only listeners that are catching the show on a Friday or later, please review, leave a review for us on iTunes. It'd be greatly appreciated. But you could also join us a day earlier Thursdays at noon central time. <clears throat> Excuse me where we are streaming on Facebook and YouTube and Rumble and Twitter and all of that. And you can join the conversation, throw your comments and questions in the chat. Maybe we'll show your comment on the screen. Maybe we'll address your questions on the fly. You can also help us out by using that super chat functionality to support the show. It's a great way to support the show while also guaranteeing your comment or question gets read on the air. Also, you could help the show by not spending a penny, just spending a couple of seconds by hitting that like button, sharing this content, subscribing if you haven't already, or leaving a comment under the video 
video all helps break through those big tech algorithms that prevent content like this from being shown to more people. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at In the Tank Pod or send us your comments and questions to the show, suggestions to the show by emailing us at In the Tank Podcast at gmail.com. Jim Lakely, where can the fine people find you? At Jay Lakely on Twitter, at Heartland Inst on Twitter, and always visit heartland.org. Fantastic. Linnea Lucan, same question. Where can people go to, to find more of your work? Well, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Linnea Lucan. You can also find me writing all the time at climaterealism.com and um, float around some other places too. Look at heartland.org. Fantastic. Uh, energy at a glance.com too. It's a little rough, but we're working on it. We're going to get that thing up and doing well. And uh, that's where we're, we're talking broadly about different energy topics. Um, and if anyone has any suggestions for any topics to do, you can shoot me an email. Also, you can also catch Linnea Lucan on Fridays at noon yes. on uh, the Heartland Institute YouTube page where they do climate change roundtable every week. So check that out as well. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you next week.